Today we're continuing our series on the Gospel of Luke called The Upside Down Kingdom. And it's called that because whenever Jesus came into this world, he flipped everything that we've been doing upside down. And today you're really going to see how countercultural he is. If I were to ask you, what is the greatest threat or the biggest enemy to our spiritual life in the church here in this culture? What might you say that is? Some of you might say people groups. Some of you might say an ideology. Some of you might say a certain sin. Dallas Willard, who is one of the most influential voices in Christianity in the last century, he said this, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There is nothing else. Wow. Hurry. Hurry is the great enemy. Like I've, I've, there's a lot of bad stuff in this world, right? Like that's, that's the thing that you're going to pick out of everything. We may not see that as that big of a deal, right? We live in a culture that really values performance. We value doing good work. We value climbing the corporate ladder and elbowing your way through people to the top. We like to stay busy. We want to keep working. I think our favorite song might be Waymaker. Uh, even when I don't see it, you're working, right? Hey, yeah, let's glorify the work. And I'm not saying that's bad. I, God is working constantly and doing things that we don't understand. But we love work so much, that might be the favorite part of any song that we sing, right? And we can even look at Jesus and think, wow, look at everything he did in his life. I mean, he was always busy. He was always healing people. He was always changing the world. So can it really be that bad? I'm going to argue that hurry sickness is a huge plague for us today. We get into these mindsets where we have to move really quickly and we have to maximize our time. Whenever we're driving, we have to get from point A to point B as fast as possible, weaving through whoever we have to to get there. Whenever we're needing to get something done, we see somebody we don't want to have a conversation with and we intentionally try to avoid that person and or if we talk to that person, we try to get through that conversation as fast as humanly possible. If we have a deadline to meet for school or work or something, we have this frantic mind state of like, oh, I got to get this done. I got to get this done right now. Our Western world doesn't like to slow down. But that Western lens, that Western mindset that we have can even make us hurry through reading the text and miss some really important details about Jesus. In Luke 5, right after Jesus heals a man with leprosy, we read these verses. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. So it seems like he was pretty busy, right? But verse 16 kind of slides under the radar for a lot of people. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Often is the word there. This isn't a once or twice sort of occurrence for Jesus. This was a regular rhythm of our Lord. And though Jesus did a lot, he lived an unhurried life. You can hear it in his language even, the way he talks about time, his relationship with time, saying that it's not yet my time or my time is near. He is in control of his time. His time doesn't control him. Jesus was not frantic in hurry sickness. He didn't feel the need to constantly be busy. He was at peace 
in his soul. And this enabled him to be radically present with every single person that came up to him. And he would make time for people that were seeking him. And part of how he was able to do that is because he had a consistent rhythm of resting in his father. Resting in the spirit. He got away from everything and he slowed down. Jesus' example says a lot to us in our time, doesn't it? If we want to be like Jesus, if we want to be present with other people and remove this hurry sickness and this busyness that we all have so deeply in this culture, there are some things that I think are necessary. I'm not saying these are optional. I'm saying if you want to live a flourishing life like Jesus, if you really want to live life to the full, these three things I believe are necessary. The first one is make Sabbath a regular rhythm of your life. I think sometimes Christians see Sabbath as something that's not that important or not necessary because it's an Old Testament thing or maybe because Jesus seems a little bit more flippant than the Pharisees about the Sabbath because they're the ones that are getting on to him about how he's observing it. But if you're reading it that way, you're reading it wrong. (laughs) Jesus greatly valued the Sabbath. He thinks it's a great time to not be legalistic with it but to do good things on the Sabbath. Whenever Jesus says that Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, he's not being flippant about it. What he's saying is we were not created to serve the Sabbath. Sabbath was created to serve us. It's a gift given by God to us to enjoy it, to be refreshed in it. And it's an incredibly good thing. There's a reason that even in the beginning, God modeled rest for us. After he created, he rested. And before creation, he was in a state of rest, right? This is something that is very important to understand about God. And what's fascinating, too, is whenever human beings were created, day six, what's the first day that they live right after that? It's a day of rest. Their existence begins with rest. It doesn't begin with work. That's what Eugene Peterson says, even from the early pages of the gospel, you see the justification by faith, not by works. It's who we are, who we are in our being, not what we do. We are human beings, not human doings, right? Also, the Jewish understanding of a day, the new day starts at sundown. Your day begins with rest, right? We're not supposed to just be working and working and working, toiling away, and we come home, crash on the couch, watching Netflix. We don't work first to rest. We rest first intentionally so that we can do our work well. It's a completely different mindset. Something that's really interesting, there was a study done on Seventh-day Adventists, and they discovered that they live 11 years longer than the average lifetime. And that made a lot of people be like, why? What are they doing? And one of the things that they do is they have a very strict observance of the Sabbath. And that's what made some people think, it, I wonder if the Sabbath has something to do with it. I did some math. If you do the math of the average lifespan, if, if somebody were to observe the Sabbath a full day every week for their entire life, the total number of years is less than 11. Which means, in other words, by slowing down, you actually gain more time. Sabbath is important. And necessary. So try to pick a whole day that you can block off and just get away from all the email notifications, all the things that come up about work that you can avoid. 
Don't even come near that stuff. And don't do things that drain you. Have a day where you just spend it resting in the goodness of God. Spend a day where you're doing things that give you life. If cooking is something that drains you, don't cook on the Sabbath. But if you love cooking and that's like a hobby that brings you life, then cook on the Sabbath. You want to be doing things that is strengthening your relationship with God and delighting in God and in life. So I highly encourage you to make this a priority. Me and Abby try to observe it every week, and we feel the difference whenever we don't. (laughs) It is so important. The second thing, and we see this in Jesus' example, is we need to spend time slowing down. We need to spend time in silence and solitude, or in other words, getting away from everything, clearing our minds. Because today, we are so distracted by everything. I think a lot of us have some sort of addiction to screens to some degree. We, we very much so want to be doing everything we can to avoid sitting by ourselves with our thoughts. One of the biggest mistakes, I'm talking more to the younger crowd with this, One of the biggest mistakes you can make if you're a young person is if you end up going to the bathroom or if you're standing in a line and you forget your phone. It's like, what am I doing? What do I do to pass this time? How do I sit alone with my thoughts? Right? It's a grave mistake. (laughs) We don't like sitting alone in our thoughts. And I'll tell you this. This is so good for me, but I hate it. I hate spending time (laughs) by myself because you know what it does? It makes me think about my emotions. It makes me think about what I'm feeling. It makes me think about <laughs> the things that I need to take care of that I've been avoiding for a long time. It's such an important rhythm. And the thing is, if we're not slowing down, we can easily miss the slow work of God in our lives. I know I've had a lot of people tell me, like, I wish I could see God more clearly. I wish he would show up more in my life. But the question is, are we really trying to listen? Are we really trying to slow down and see where God is moving in our lives? Because sometimes he shows up in a whisper, not in a pillar of fire, right? And lastly, and this is another necessary part of all of this, is prayer. I used to think that prayer was not very powerful, being honest, because I could not make it work in my theology how on earth, why is it important for me to pray to a God that knows everything I'm going to ask anyway? Right? He knows the things I'm thinking, so why do I even have to bring that up to him? But if you read scripture closely, the power of prayer is unquestionable. <laughs> scripture is loaded with prayers. The whole book of Psalms is basically prayers. The New Testament says we should pray without ceasing. And that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In Luke 11, there are three little teaching nuggets that basically all say the same thing. That if we ask for things that we need from God, he will gladly deliver those. Gladly. Now, some of our fleshly wants, he may not deliver. But he will always give us what we need because he's a good father. And think about this. The reason that I started my whole sermon series here is primarily thinking about the character and nature of God is because that is foundational even to thinking about something like prayer. Because if we really believe that God is all-powerful, that he can move mountains and, and split the seas and speak the universe into existence, and that same God is one that shows no favoritism and is specifically for you, 
You tell me how powerful prayer is. We serve a God who responds to prayer. There are instances in scripture where God says he's going to do something and then Moses prays or in the book of Jonah, all of Nineveh repents and prays and God relents. God changes. God does something other than what he said he was going to do. Prayer is that powerful. We serve a God that listens. And whenever we pray to God, we are invoking the power and the authority of all things. And that power is for us. So prayer is very powerful. And I'm thankful that we are at a church that really believes a bedrock truth, a foundation for this church should be prayer. And I'm grateful for Brother Albert Lemons for coming here and making that be a part of this culture. And I'm grateful that on Wednesday nights, there is a a team of people that prays over the blue prayer cards that are in front of your pews, because we believe it's powerful. And there's a group that meets upstairs that prays over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of names in the city, in this world. We believe in the power of prayer here. So I challenge you to make prayer be a continual thing for your family. Make that be a constant outpouring. And it doesn't have to be this formal thing. You don't have to have a formal prayer. You can just be praying in your mind. It's a conversation with God. And that's what God wants. He wants relationship with us. And prayer is a great way to help that out. And if you have a hard time knowing what to pray or how to pray, the Lord's Prayer is called the Lord's Prayer for a reason. (laughs) It's really good. (laughs) Because it starts by saying, hallowed be your name. It's a perspective shift. It's putting you in your place to begin with. And then it's a prayer of revival. It's a prayer for your kingdom come here as it is in heaven. And it's a prayer of taking care of our physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. It is really good. So pray that. Also, you can pray with the Psalms. There there are Psalms of thanksgiving and gratitude. And there are Psalms of lament and anger and sorrow. You can be real with God. You can bring anything before him, and he wants you to. He wants a relationship with us. And if you feel like you do not have time for these three things, unless there is some rare circumstance I am not aware of, you're lying to yourself. Well, you don't understand. My job, it's really demanding. It's, well, you don't understand. I have a lot of kids, and I have to go to all these baseball games. Well, you don't understand. I have this big project that I have to turn in. We have time. Did you know that the average American family watches three hours of TV a day? And for many, the only time for Christians that's dedicated to God is on Sundays for an hour, hour and a half. We have time. We can make time for God. We can give all our time over to God because it's his anyway. And yes, I understand that there are times and situations that make us all busy. I get that. And I'm not legalistic in that. But the truth is, your soul needs rest. And this needs to be a huge priority in our lives. I can go on and on and on about the importance of these three things. But instead of just talking about it, let's do it. I think it's an awesome opportunity that we can spend these next 15 minutes in silence, praying. So what we're going to do, we have around the room, and I have some in the balcony for those of you up there too. 
There are some prompts, there are some topics that you can pray about. If you want to do a little prayer walk and walk around the auditorium and pray over these different areas, you can do that. If you want to sit where you are and just pray silently about whatever's going on in your life, there are some things on the screen that might help you have some ideas of what to pray for. If you're seeking prayers, if there's something really hard going on in your life, we have a a couple couples that are going to be in the prayer room. Just go out these doors to the left. They'll be there, and they would gladly pray over you for anything that's going on in your life. And if you want to pray with somebody in here, you can totally do that, but I'm asking that you please be quiet while we do that, because we want this time to be a quiet reflection, a quiet time of prayer, because here's the thing. We really believe that God's going to do amazing things here at 4th Avenue. I I truly believe that, but it's not going to go anywhere without prayer. Nothing is going to happen unless we are a church that is soaked. We have a culture that is soaked in prayer. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take these 15 minutes. We're going to spend it in prayer together. And then we'll come back together. We'll sing a song at the end. And uh, you can keep praying through that. Don't let that stop you. (laughs) But we really want to be intentional during this time to give God this time and ask for things. Ask for God to show up in powerful ways here at this church, in this world, in your lives, and also a time to give him gratitude and thanks for all that he has given us. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to take 15 minutes of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much that you are a God that listens to us. Not like a genie in a lamp, but a God that cares about us enough to hear our cries, weep with us, mourn with us, celebrate with us. And we are thankful that our requests don't fall on deaf ears and that you're a God that can make things happen. And I pray that here in this church, in this time that we are setting aside to give it back to you in prayer, I pray that powerful things happen. I pray that this church gets a fresh wind of the spirit and that we may be a beacon of light to this world around us. Lord, be with this time, be with our hearts, help us draw closer to you. In your son's name, amen.